person who has won all the marathon majors in one year and got a silver medal in the Sochi Olympics. An American champion in the women's wheelchair competition, 25-year-old Tatiana McFadden. What a birthday celebration today for her. It's the not knowing, a sudden and unexpected symptom. What does it mean? Why is this time different? It's that space between waiting for information, in that uncertainty lies the harsh reality of potential dangers. Is it something simple or something sinister? Every six minutes, somebody in America dies of a blood clot. We're here to change that statistic. Welcome to Taking a Breath, a Stop the Clot podcast. A podcast dedicated to bringing awareness of the dangers of blood clots from the clotting disorders community to the world. With the help of many notable blood clot survivors, we are here to give you the knowledge and the skills you need to prevent the silent killer. My name is Leslie Lake. I am the president of the National Blood Clot Alliance and I am a blood clot survivor. My name is Todd Robertson. I am the patient engagement liaison for the National Blood Clot Alliance, and I am a six-time blood clot survivor. And we're here to stop the clot. Life is complex. Between the wonder of love and achievement and joy lies a myriad of disappointment and pain. It takes an incredible level of built resilience to handle the ups, and downs of a life well-lived. Our guest today is somebody whose resilience knows no bounds. Considered the fastest woman in the world, our guest is a decorated Paralympic athlete with 20 medals, including eight gold, 24 world major marathon wins, including four consecutive grand slams, and has broken five world records for track and field. Amongst all of this, she is a two-time blood clot survivor. With us today to share her journey, please welcome the unparalleled Tatiana McFadden. So what I really learned about blood clots is that it does not discriminate. I was actually first diagnosed in 2008, right before the Beijing Paralympic Games. I was 18 years old and I didn't know what it was at first. I remember one morning I woke up and I was extremely tired. I just wanted to sleep in most of the day. I felt pretty lazy. I just wasn't really motivated to do anything. And my mom actually came up to the room and she's like, Tatiana, like, you've got to get up. You've got to get training. Like, what's wrong? And I was like, gosh, like, I'm just not feeling great. And then when I got out of bed, I noticed that my feet were discolored. And it made me really, really nervous about the discoloration in my feet. So I went downstairs and I showed my mom and she was like, oh my gosh, we have to take you to the ER. And so that's when they found out that I had blood clots and it had risen to my abdomen. 
you know, at 18 years old, I didn't really know what it meant. You know, I didn't know if I was going to be able to get back into my career or if I had to stop everything. I know blood clots were really serious because when I got to the ER and we told them that it might be that possibility or when they saw my feet, I was rushed back immediately. So then I knew at that point something was definitely wrong. And so they did the ultrasound and and found it that way. For that blood clots, I was at HCC and I remember they had to put in two catheters behind my kneecaps to break up the clots at that time. So I was in in bed, oh, I think for almost like two two weeks, um, just laying flat while the while the heparin worked through its system. And then then they checked again to make sure that the clots were gone. And then after that I was put on medication. For a while, I actually did fragment shots. It's a medication. um, You inject it. The doses go off of your body weight. And it's another way to help clear the clots, make sure the clots stay away, um, kind of like Xeralto. Um, It makes sure that you never clot again. The fragment shots really hurt. And no one really kind of expected how much it would hurt. It kind of felt like a bee sting every time. And I always switched legs left to right. And, you know, kind of like a diabetic when you keep shooting yourself in the leg, you know, it gets hard in those two, in the two spots. Um, But I knew that I had to do it. And being 18 years old, I would just hold my breath and like close my eyes and then um, inject my leg that way. And I was really happy when I was put on onto Xeralto. And I was on a relatively low dose because the clots had cleared. And unfortunately, exactly 10 years later, right when, you know, the research predicts that clots can come back and especially in women, it did. But this time it presented such a different symptoms. So I was on my way to California for a training camp and it felt like I had allergies. Like I kept sneezing a lot and um, I just felt a little like short, short breath, but nothing. I just thought it was like allergies or maybe I was coming down with a cold, felt a little bit congested. So when I got to the Olympic and Paralympic Training Center in Chula Vista, I took allergy meds and I was like, gosh, that's not working. Then I took, you know, cold medicine and I was like, gosh, like that's not helping either. And again, one morning when I went to training and I was getting into my racing chair, I was like, oh my gosh, like I can't fit into my racing chair. I was like, why is it so tight? And I was like, I can't have gained that much weight because I just finished the Paralympic season in 2016 and I won everything and it was the fittest I've ever been. I took home all these major marathon wins from 2010 all the way to 2016. I was like, it it, it can't be the fitness. And I thought, oh gosh, like it can't be blood clots again, can it? And so I called my mom and then we 
contacted the you know, hematologist and the symptoms of blood clots coming back. And because I was in California, I had to increase my intake of the blood thinner because I couldn't fly home safely yet. So when I came back home um, and I went straight straight to the hospital, the clots were so severe. They were again up to the abdomen and they were so severe that they couldn't break the clots through through surgery. You know, when they go in and through the groin and they try to break up the clots and they couldn't. I mean, my surgery was, I think, like six hours long um, when they tried to do that and it, they just couldn't do it. I mean, they were set into stone. And because of that, I gained like 15 to 20 pounds of lymphedema. Um, I was in so much pain. I mean, my legs just felt so heavy. Um, There's definitely shortness of breath. And it was really, it hurt to sit in my everyday chair for a really long time because of that compression in your hip area. And so I couldn't even sit in my chair for you know, like 40 minutes to an hour. And then when I tried to get back into my racing chair, I couldn't stay in it more than a half hour because the pain just came right on. And it was kind of scary because I, so I was diagnosed in February and the clots just kept coming back. And I was on a pretty high fragment dose, um, again, giving myself injections. Um, then they came back again in March. So I thought, wow, like that's really unsettling um, of why they're they're coming back. And so I had the surgery done again where they, you know, looked at everything and tried to break up the clots again and, and they couldn't do it. At that point, you know, I was um, really nervous um, and really emotional and scared because I thought, oh gosh, like my careers, you know, coming to an end. And I have a great team at Hopkins and a great team at Mass General too. And everyone came together to kind of come up with a great plan for how we can get this sorted out. And so I did have to have a really a higher dose of the fragment shots, because um, normally you go off of your body weight, but I did that and it kept coming back. So my doses were a little bit higher. Once the clots, you know, stopped coming back, then I could switch over to the, the Zralto being on 20 milligram. And because I was on fragment for so long, you know, your joints started to hurt. And that was one of the, the symptoms. And I didn't have a lot of research um, about blood clots, you know, this time because I didn't expect it for them to to come back. And I just kind of learned along the way because I asked those questions um, to my doctors and had a very open discussion of, okay, what is my reality? Um, what does my future look like? Do I have to give up racing? Is it safe to race? Because I am going down the hills in my racing chair at 30 miles per hour. If I had a bump and fall over, what does that look like for me? Um, you just have to let the marathon committee know that you're going to be on blood thinners. So if you do crash, like you'll be a very high priority where they can come and 
you know, put one of those like bleeding patches on then like rush you to the ER. At that point, I just had to take it one day at a time. And I really surprised myself along the journey that in that same year in 2017, that I did get back into my racing chair. I was like, well, what do I, what do I got to lose? You know, I raced Boston that April didn't do very well, but I wasn't expected to, you know, to do well. Um, and then Chicago went really well for me that year, surprisingly. Um, and New York went okay in 2017, but I think just what I've had to deal with in 17, 18 and 19, and then you hit the pandemic. It was, it was really, really tough. Um, and it was mentally draining. Um, it was really mentally difficult because, you know, you're trying to stay so strong through the recovery. You're trying to be an elite athlete, getting back into racing. Your, your career is everywhere. Um, you know, you're, you're at the top and all of a sudden you're at the bottom. Then you're, you know, somewhere in between. So I wasn't consistent you know, winning everything like I was back in 2016. And then I was thinking, oh gosh, like people probably think I'm done. And there were definitely a lot of rumors flying around that, oh, like she's probably going to retire. And I've never made a, a statement about that, but you know, a lot of athletes probably would have retired. So I guess the statement was, you know, they thought that I would, but I didn't, and I was really mentally strong. You know, it catches up to you at a certain point. I'm so thankful for the support system that I had. My family really believes in me, you know, um, your coach or your trainer, you know, your doctors, um, you know, your nutritionist. So looking at your support system became really, really crucial for me. And then you also learned, you know, really quickly, like who's going to help you through this and, you know, and, and who isn't. And it was, it was really tough because I heard all that loud noise, you know, oh, she's done. She's never going to come back. You know, maybe she'll retire. I mean, it got to the point where I had to like, my agent had to write emails being like, no, no, Tatiana's not retiring. She's just like in a recovery phase and like, she'll get back into it. And yeah, your circle sometimes gets really small, but you have to realize that. And it's okay to change things too. So what worked for me in the past did not work for me currently. I think for people who are going through this, you know, ask questions to your doctors. If they can't answer it honestly and openly, then maybe find someone else. Um, join support groups. Um, I found that in the marathon community, so many people have had blood clots. And same with the Olympic athletes and Paralympic athletes. We're finding that more and more people are being diagnosed with the DVTs. And at first it was like, shh, don't talk about it. You know, um, if you talk about it, then people you know, think that your career is done and over. And I thought, gosh, no, I'm, I am going to talk about it because I don't know whose life I could be changing. And people should know, you know, this process and how hard it is and how brave I've been to get back into it and to train because some people would have just given up and said, I, I'm retiring. I'm happy with what I've succeeded. 
Um, but for me, I knew that I have more left in my career that I'm fairly young in my career and women in distance running peak much, you know, they peak later. Um, they peak closer to their forties. And so yeah, it's been quite a journey, but I'm proud. Sometimes the difference between life and death is a second opinion, a considerate alternative or a simple what if. Our bodies are so intricate and particular, yet so exceedingly unique from one another, we deserve to give ourselves the benefit of consideration. To bring some professional insight to common signs and symptoms of newly formed clots, here's Dr. Elliot Hout from Johns Hopkins to discuss warning signs and early determinants that may save your life. Hi, my name is Elliot Hout. I'm a trauma and acute care surgeon. So there's many different symptoms for these blood clots that we've been talking about. And it's not so specific that there's only one symptom for each, either PE or DVT. There are many, many, many different possibilities. Um, Interesting we have a really nice acronym that, that the National Blood Clot Alliance has come up with. It's called the Stop the Clot acronym. And it reminds people, and it's really out there to remind the lay public of what these things are. Each of those letters stands for a specific sign or a specific symptom. So the first S in stop is swelling of the legs. So this is, you know, your leg is swollen out of the blue. It's, it's bigger than the other side. That's something to think about for a clot. The next is tenderness or leg cramps. So this is, it might go along with a swollen leg, but it might be pain in the leg and it be from something else. It might be from trauma, injury, you know, running a marathon, but it could be related to a blood clot. So think about it as a possibility. The O in stop is out of breath. So if you're short of breath, um, can't breathe, this could be a sign of pulmonary embolism. It might be something else. Many things cause shortness of breath, but think pulmonary embolism if you're out of breath, passed out or lightheaded. That's the P in stop. So if you pass out, uh, we call it syncope. Uh, That might be from lots of different things. There might be a neurologic problem, but this could be a really big blood clot goes through your heart and to your lung that causes you to pass out. So that's the stop side of the stop clot. The other four for clot, the first is chest pain. Chest pain has many different things. Pulmonary embolism is said to be the great mimicker. Chest pain could be a heart attack, but it could also be a pulmonary embolism. So think about that as a possibility. L in clot is leg discoloration. So that swollen leg might also be, you know, darker color, uh, might be reddish, it might be bluish. Uh, think about that as the L. Overdrive. I don't love the, the, the word, but it's this racing heart. We need it in the O. So if your heart is racing, it might be, you know, your heart has an arrhythmia, an abnormal heartbeat. It might be from an infection. But if your heart is racing, this might be a sign of pulmonary embolism. And finally, the T. Uh, the T in clot is really, really important to remind everybody. It is time sensitive. Time matters. And it's so important that you can't just, you know, I'll call my doctor and have an appointment in three weeks. This is time sensitive. If you think this is a pulmonary embolism, this is life threatening. 
and you need to be seen immediately. Call 911. That's the T in time. I think my lowest point was one when when I was actually in Boston, because also during this time, I was finishing up my internship for, for child life. I remember getting into my chair and in training and I just couldn't like physically train that day. And then I just like broke down and just like cried at the track. And my mom was actually there too. And then she started like, crying and being really upset. And I was like, I just don't know like what I can do and like how I can get this swelling down and um, like what's going on and like, why is this happening? I didn't realize how mentally draining being diagnosed with blood clots was going to be because every case is so different. And unfortunately mine was on the really severe side, but even if it's not, you know, so severe, but you got diagnosed with blood clots, you know, there, there is also an emotional aspect from it. And for me, it was very high anxiety driven. Um, it just increased my anxiety. So then I became a functioning high anxiety athlete. Um, and so that was really tough as well. I've noticed that when I was competing, I knew the anxiety was so high because I was already tired when I was on the starting line and I didn't even finish the race yet. And I could just feel the tingling in the body and in the fingers. And you just became so stiff. I just like couldn't even move um, that my anxiety got that high. So then I had to work with um, a psychiatrist and then I had to work with my sports psychiatrist Um, And having those two work together was definitely such a game changer. And I didn't realize that I really needed that until way after two, Um, because I was so focused on, okay, I got, I have to like try to recover and let me get back to this race. I almost forgot like the mental side of it. I was trying to physically get better. And then the mental side came like a few years after after you've noticed that you were starting to heal physically, then mentally it was so exhausting and draining because when I was getting better and faster, um, then I thought, Oh gosh, do I even belong being top three? You know, I was so far behind. Um, so mentally I really had to work, um, a lot on it, which is okay. It's healthy to recognize that a lot earlier than, than I did. I think if I did it within the first year or two, I would have been in a much better spot. If I could tell the doctor, I would say, have your patient see a psychiatrist at your clinic, just like make an appointment for them, just like one visit, just to have a conversation because that patient will probably realize, wow, it was really refreshing just to like talk about it. And that fear, you know, that fear of the unknown in the future is what probably drives people the, like the craziest um, because you, you just don't know. No matter the circumstance, one's resilience and capacity to persevere is heroic. 
Finding the strength within yourself subsequently demonstrates to those around you that the strength they may have once thought impossible is an achievable reality. You become a hero through your perseverance. Demonstrable strength through resilience. We want to thank Tatiana for sharing her story with us today and to thank you for joining us here on Taking a Breath. A special thank you to Dr. Elliot Hout for sharing his endlessly useful insight into all things clotting. For more information on risk, prevention, and community, please visit StopTheClot.org. We know the patient because we are the patient. Together with listeners like you, we can collectively stop the clot. Another Everything Podcast production. Visit everythingpodcast.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast.